0: On the back side of the lyrics from that hymn, there's an outline for the sermon this morning as we continue our study in the book of Exodus. Well, recently, a set of old Verizon wireless commercials have been back in the news, the one where that guy in the glasses says, can you hear me now? And it's because apparently he's a traitor, and he switched networks, and People are freaking out, like, that's the Verizon guy. What's he doing over here? But those commercials were helpful in a way. And they were, you know, simple. But the question was, can you hear me now? Good. And he would take another step and ask again, can you hear me now? Good. And it was implied that the only way to test your cell phone coverage was you had to literally go every place in America To see if you had service and ask, Can you hear me now? Now, we could probably do that here in some of the valleys around here, and the answer would be no. And that's the truth. But we do see that there's a a value to testing something in all the different places. And that's a lot like how God uses suffering in our lives. Instead of asking the question, Can you hear me now? suffering helps us ask the question, do you trust God now? And we go to another place in our life, and it's, do you trust God now? How about now? Even now will you trust God? You see, it's often only when we're in difficult circumstances or the less likely cell phone coverage places where you start to have to ask, maybe not. And so God often let suffering happen to us. He puts us through trials in different ways to see if our faith still holds. Our faith will reveal itself when tested. And so that's what we see in our passage this morning in Exodus. It's, does our faith hold when it is tested? So if you would, open your Bibles. We'll be in Exodus at the end of chapter 4, beginning in verse 27. And we will be reading through chapter 6, verse 13. We have seen in the past couple weeks, Moses left Egypt, God met him in the wilderness. God has now sent him back to Egypt with his mission to accomplish. And so here is the account of Moses returning with his brother Aaron to Egypt, and what happens upon their arrival. So hear the word of the Lord from Exodus 4:27 through chapter six, verse 13. "'The Lord said to Aaron, "'Go into the wilderness and meet Moses.' "'So he went and met him at the mountain of God "'and kissed him. "'And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord "'with which he had sent him to speak, "'and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. "'Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together "'all the elders of the people of Israel. "'Aaron spoke all the words "'that the Lord had spoken to Moses.' And did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel. And that he had seen their affliction. They bowed their heads and worshipped. Afterward Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord the God of Israel. Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will give you no straw. Go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work. Your daily task each day as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But Pharaoh said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task each day. And they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. You have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word that you have spoken to us. And that when we cry out and when we're confused and when we try to not do it, you remind us of your word. And so today we come here again on the seventh day to gather and to hear your word. Use me to proclaim your word. Use me in spite of my weakness. Be strong in my weakness, God, and may we hear your word. Lord Spirit, use the word in us that we would grow closer to you and that our faith would be strengthened. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So, things didn't go so well in Egypt. Moses comes back and, well... Things did not seem to be going according to plan, and yet God shows them his plan again. And so the big idea I want us to see this morning is that this is God's plan. That God sovereignly uses suffering to strengthen our faith in him. That he is over and in control of our suffering, and he's using it to strengthen our faith. So this morning I want us to look at the shock of suffering our support in suffering, and finally, the stink of suffering. Because suffering stinks, I'll tell you that. So our passage begins with Moses and Aaron coming to Egypt. Aaron assembles the elders of Israel, and he shares with them everything that God told Moses. They perform the signs that God gave to Moses, and we read that the Israelites believe, just as God told Moses, that they will believe you. And it says they worship God because they know he has seen them in their suffering and he's going to do something about it. And so Moses and Aaron, all excited from the meeting with the elders, go into Pharaoh and they say to him, let this people go. And Pharaoh does not listen. In fact, Pharaoh does quite the opposite. He increases their burdens as slaves Their slavery intensifies. Things don't get better, they get worse. And so the Israelites, who had so recently believed and worshipped and were excited to be saved, come to Moses and Aaron and say, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and you've put a sword in their hand so they can kill us. The Israelite people lost faith when life got difficult. We read later again in chapter 6, verse 9, that the people did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. And so it appears the Israelites were unprepared for this change in circumstances. They were shocked by the suffering. They thought, God's coming. He's going to help us. Let's do it. And then things got worse before they got better and they lost faith. And so they were shocked by the suffering. But they should not have been shocked by the suffering. God told them this was going to happen. See, when Moses and Aaron arrived, it very clearly says that Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And one of those words was about Pharaoh was going to have a hard heart. He wasn't going to listen so what do you expect a hard-hearted Pharaoh to do when you come and say, "Let my people go?" See, God didn't tell them exactly how hard-hearted Pharaoh would respond by taking their straw away, but he told him he was going to have a hard heart. His word made it clear that Pharaoh was not going to be on board with the plan, and so the Israelites failed to hear everything God had said. They heard the good parts, but they ignored the difficult parts. They had selective hearing when it came to God's word. That is a symptom of sin. Sin does that to us. We have selective hearing with God's word. We can hear all the good things in God's word and forget the hard things in God's word. We tend to neglect things that Jesus says, like in this world, you will have troubles. We don't like to hear that. We like to hear about eternal life, not troubles. Or when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That's not a fashionable necklace. That is an execution device. Take up your electric chair and follow me is more like it. We ignore passages like our New Testament reading where James says, count it joy when you face trials of various kinds. Joy joy when we suffer. Okay. But... We don't like those because our assumption tends to be that life should be easy. It should be comfortable. We like it when things go our way. I feel that way. We want a life of comfort and ease. And so our tolerance for suffering is lower than the slaves in Israel. And yet they still, when suffering intensified, got upset, thinking things aren't supposed to get worse now. But Scripture presents us something that shatters our assumptions. It says life is supposed to have suffering. It tells us life will be full of suffering and trials. God warns us that it's going to happen. Not only did Jesus talk about it, but he lived it firsthand that life would be full of suffering. And so suffering should not be shocking to us. And so the comfort we have in life is not that life will be free of suffering... It's that God is sovereign over that suffering. When God tells them he knows this is going to happen, that's comfort. Because we know God's not shocked by it, even if we are. God's ready to use it, to work through it. And so he supports us in our suffering, as Moses finds out in our passage. See, the Israelites came running out of Pharaoh's office, ready with their fingers out. Where's Moses? Where's Moses and Aaron to find him and blame him because he's the one that made this worse. They're angry at Moses. And so Moses then is angry at God, crying out in confusion. He says this, why have you, God, done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, He has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. I mean, you can feel his finger. it is just poking out of the Bible at God with all those you's. He's putting it on God. The blame is on God in Moses' eyes. That Moses is like, "I did what you told me, and everyone's upset. How is this good? How is this helpful? What happened to the promises, God? What happened to the deliverance? Why are things worse instead of better? Moses, like the people, did not comprehend that the hard heart of Pharaoh might complicate things. He didn't realize that redemption wouldn't happen overnight. And so God has just been yelled at. Fingers have been pointed at God, and God responds kindly. God supports Moses, instead of responding in anger and striking Moses down, he assures him. He points Moses back to the word, to the promises, and he says to him, Now you will see what I will do. God says, Okay, now it is time. We tend to question God's timing, but God says, Now is time. It's like, Don't worry. Now it begins. And so he restates his intentions to save his people. You can hear it from verses 6 through about verse 9 there that God says again and again, I will. He is confirming those promises. I will bring you out of slavery. I will bring you out of Egypt. I will bring you to the promised land. I will be your God. I will do all this for you. I haven't forgotten them. See, what god is doing for moses is pointing him to who he is he's answering that question that pharaoh asked in chapter 5 verse 2 where pharaoh said who is the lord and god is telling him in chapter 6 this is who i am and now it is time to fulfill these promises god reminds moses of who he is and what he will do that's what moses needed Because too often when we suffer, our eyes look at the circumstances. Our eyes focus on our suffering. Like seeing a uh, paper with a big typo on it. Our eyes can't help but like, typo, it's right there. If we see a painting and there is a smudge on it, our eyes are drawn to what is wrong. And so when we think our lives are supposed to be easy and comfortable and something's out of whack, our eyes immediately go to the suffering. That's all we can focus on. That's what's wrong. Everything else is good. This is what's wrong. And God is saying, Eyes up here. Don't look at the suffering, don't focus on that. Remember who I am and what I have said. It would be like if you're mid-surgery and you come out of anesthesia. I know, horrible nightmare. Please don't dream about it. You're coming out of anesthesia mid-surgery and you feel the pain and you look down and you're open and there's blood everywhere and you're freaking out and you're like, something is wrong and you look up with a look of betrayal at your surgeon, you did this to me, doc. You said you were going to help. And a good doctor says, well, good doctor doesn't let you wake up. Good doctor says, trust me, this is necessary to help you. I am with you. We're still going according to plan. That's what God is doing in our suffering. And so Moses finds out he does have a responsibility, and it's a simple one. God gives him the simplest Responsibility in the world, it is to trust and obey. To just trust God's word and obey. You notice that towards uh, the end of our passage in chapter 6, God kind of recommissions Moses and is like, Go to Pharaoh again. You see that. But Moses, (laughs) Moses is thinking this time. His eyes are still on the suffering. He's like, "Um, The Israelites didn't listen to me. So what do we think's going to happen if I talk to Pharaoh again? That's more suffering. That's more of a problem. And if you look, God doesn't answer. God doesn't answer Moses' concern. He's not concerned at all. Moses doesn't want to obey because it will bring suffering and difficulty, and yet that question is irrelevant to God. It's kind of like when you say, kids, it's time for bedtime. And they say, I don't want to go to bed. And it's like, why does that matter? It doesn't matter if you want to. It is bedtime. Go, you know. And so in the same way, he's like, Pharaoh won't listen. Okay, you're supposed to go tell him this. I don't care. Do what I say. Trust me. And so God is challenging Moses. He's saying, will you obey me when you think it's going to go badly? Will you trust me only when things are going well or when things are not going well? See, God's telling Moses, and he's telling us in this passage, that obedience is primary. That our eyes need to be focused on God and his word and not our suffering and circumstances. Like Moses, we are supported by God when we suffer, and we receive very simple instructions. Trust that I am over this. Trust that I am with you and I am still God and none of your suffering invalidates my promises. Trust that I can accomplish good things even through this. But that's not fun. And that's not what we like. And so that is the stink of suffering. Why does God have to use suffering for his purposes? Yeah, it's reassuring to know God's with us during suffering, but it would be really cool if God was with us and we didn't have to suffer. Like, that would be nice. Why can't we do that? I mean, no one wakes up in the morning and says, huh, hope I got a full day of suffering on my schedule today. That would be nice. Be a real good day. Just suffer all day. See, if we had our way, we would not want suffering in life. And I'm guessing the Israelites When they gathered together with Moses and Aaron and heard the word of God and saw the signs, they're like, awesome, I'm not going to work tomorrow. God is saving us. And then it got bad. They're like, wait, uh, but you were saving us. We don't have to do this anymore, right? They wanted God to redeem them the next day. And so like them, we wonder, well, why can't God keep his promises and keep us from suffering? You know, why does the hard-hearted Pharaoh have to be part of the story? Couldn't he be the changed-hearted Pharaoh? And you ask him once, and he's like, sure. I was wondering when you were going to ask. I like you guys. Go have fun. Why couldn't that have been the story? Why did he have to have a hard heart? Well, we're going to focus on Pharaoh's hard heart next week. But the reason suffering stinks in our eyes is because it's not worth the pain. The cost isn't worth the benefits. But God disagrees with our assessments. Again and again throughout Scripture, we see that suffering is what strengthens faith, and that an untested faith is really no faith at all. And one of the most extensive examples in Scripture is the book of Job. And so from our Old Testament reading at the beginning of the book, we saw how Satan doubted Job's faith, He's like, well, sure, God trusts you. He is blessed and has everything he could ever want and nothing bad has ever happened. Why don't you let bad things happen and then he won't trust in you? Well, that's what happens. And so Job is this long book of one man who has to face suffering. And he has to see if he still has faith. And his suffering serves to strengthen his faith through the book. He had to obey even when it wasn't easy. And that's often our hang-up as well. It's easy to obey when things are easy, but do we trust God when things are going wrong as well? What about when it feels like our life is falling apart? Are we okay trusting and obeying then? Has our faith ever been tested in difficult times? And do we trust God enough To obey him, even if our obedience is going to lead to suffering. Even if it would ruffle feathers. Even if it might offend someone, someone we care about. Are we willing to obey even if it upends our comfortable lifestyle in a way that we wouldn't want? See, the Israelites believed and worshipped God when Moses and Aaron came and told them the good news. But the moment suffering hit... They bailed. They complained to Moses and stopped listening to him. Their faith was tested and it was shown to be a shallow faith. It was like the seed that falls on the rocky ground in Jesus' parable of the sower, that when the scorching heat came, there was not enough life and roots in the soil for it to last. See, God's goal for us is not to make us happy and comfortable His goal is to draw us closer to him. And one of the ways he does that is by removing things in the way. Sometimes those are good things. He removes things we trust in, things we rely on so that we're left having to trust in him. Our New Testament reading talked about this, how suffering helps. It says, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness or endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. Suffering perfects our faith. It refines our faith. It makes sure we're trusting in God regardless of the circumstances. I imagine we all know someone who has been through a lot in their life. Someone who has had a lot of suffering, a lot of testing, a lot of struggles, and they have strong faith. And we admire their faith. And we would love to have their faith. And we just don't want any of the suffering that it took to get that faith, though. It's like how sometimes I will pray for patience, but I don't want the experiences that make me patient. I just want like a dose of patience that you can take, and now I'm patient. But that's often not how it works. See, faith gets refined through suffering. That's what produces a strong faith. And so as scary as suffering is, as stinky as suffering is, Jesus shows us what he can do through suffering. He showed us firsthand how great suffering can lead to great blessing. That it was in his suffering that we have been saved. That the greatest things that we are given by God in life came through Jesus' suffering. It's what brought us to God. And that's kind of what our suffering does too. It draws us closer to God. Not in a saving way, but in a deepening of the relationship kind of way. Because God isn't interested in just making us happy like we want to be happy. He wants us to be closer to him because he knows that ultimately that is what makes us truly happy and content. Because when we are with God, no amount of suffering can separate us from him. When we are with God, we trust him and know that no matter what happens, he is with us. And it may last for a while, but he can use it for good somehow. We don't know how, and it's not always easy, and it's not the best thing to say to people. But the Bible shows us again and again, God is over it. And God shows us time and time again, he can bring good out of suffering. So in this world, you will have troubles. But Jesus says, take heart. He has overcome the world. He is with us by his spirit through our suffering. He draws us closer to him. And we get to ask ourselves through this suffering, do I trust God now? Even now, what about now? And so let us trust in our sovereign God no matter what trials may come in our life, knowing that he is working them for our good and he is with us to the end. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us, that you give us your spirit, that even in the darkest times, even in the worst difficulties we could ever face, you are with us. That Jesus has faced the worst we could ever imagine, betrayed by his friends, shut down by those who claim to love you, and even on the cross, abandoned by you, so that we would not have to be abandoned. That no matter the suffering we face, we will not be in a position like Jesus, but you will be with us. And that just like Jesus rose from the dead after that suffering and he ascended into glory, we know that you can bring good and glorious things through suffering. And so God, help us to trust in you. To trust and obey regardless of what we face. Knowing you support us and are with us every step of the way. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.